The statistics are somewhat startling. In the United States adult population, about 16.8% of adults are smokers. That's roughly 41,578,000 people. Quitting can be a major issue, and that is a battle that's constantly being faced by millions of health care providers and, more importantly, for the smokers themselves. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Joel Nitzkin. He's a board-certified physician in preventive medicine as his medical specialty. He has a master's degree in public health, a doctorate in public administration. He has served on numerous committees. He's basically dedicated a good deal of his career into helping people stop cigarette smoking, doing what they can to prevent it. He's been in the private practice of public health as a policy consultant. He has his own firm since the mid-90s. Dr. Niskin, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. First, maybe you could talk a little bit about the scope of the problem. Are things getting better in recent years? Are they getting worse? Where are we now? Well, things are definitely getting better. Year by year, fewer Americans smoke. Uh, year by year, the, the number of deaths appear to be coming down. Unfortunately, the total doesn't change because new research associates yet new diseases with cigarette smoking in each year, so it doesn't appear like we're making progress. Unfortunately, progress has been painfully slow. And one of the reasons that it's been painfully slow is that, in my opinion, it has been misdirected. There's an awful lot of misinformation out there that prevents physicians, nurses, and others from doing the best they can in terms of preventing teens from initiating smoking and helping smokers quit. Now, Dr. Russell said a number of years ago that people smoke for the nicotine but die from the tar. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that statement because cigarettes stand out as the most addictive and the most deadly of tobacco products. What most medical professionals and most lay people do not understand is the fact that the smokeless tobacco products that have been on the American market since the 1980s present a risk of death, probably less than 1% the risk posed by cigarettes. Yet despite this, the mantra of a tobacco-free society and tobacco is bad has left probably a majority of public health professionals, doctors, nurses, and others with a misunderstanding that if one switches from cigarettes to chewing tobacco, one is simply trading a lung cancer risk for a mouth cancer risk. This is simply not true. Now with the advent of the e-cigarette, we have a product that is so satisfactory to so many smokers that they're willing to, to switch and they're willing to try it if they think it will do their health some good. It's the only product that we have that's shown the tendency to uh, satisfy the urge to smoke for so many smokers while reducing their potential risk of a fatal disease by 95% or more, probably 99% or more. What we need to do is to open the eyes of the medical community to these possibilities. Now, over the years and continuing to this day, the Food and Drug Administration, the Centers for Disease Control, the American Cancer Society, and others, in the name of a precautionary principle, have adopted the, the attitude that they should only consider 
potential risks and theoretical risks of these products that they might not be as safe as they seem or they might attract teens to a lifetime of nicotine use while simply ignoring the large and mounting body of evidence that shows that, number one, the toxicity is way down. They are comparable in toxicity to the pharmaceutical gums, patches, and inhalers. And number two, rather than serve as a gateway to smoking for teens, they serve as a gateway away from smoking. Teen smokers are moving to e-cigarettes in droves, finding that they feel better, their taste comes back, their energy level comes up, and they see no reason to go back to cigarettes. And non-smoking teens who experiment with e-cigarettes don't continue use of e-cigarettes. The literature that's out there that purports to show that e-cigarettes are attracting teens to a, a lifetime of cigarette smoking is literature in which the study findings are also compatible with the idea that the major determinant is that kids who are willing to experiment with e-cigarettes are more likely than kids who aren't willing to experiment with anything to go on and become smokers. Now, it's interesting you bring that up because I know you've dedicated your career to smoking, and yet two major studies just came out, it was a week ago actually, which talked about how students could actually, or young people, actually, if they were not smokers, we're not talking about using e-cigarettes to stop smoking, but if they were non-smokers, they actually could be at greater risk for developing lung cancer and becoming addicted to cigarettes because of being in- introduced to e-cigarettes, and it's better to keep them away altogether. I mean, I mean, if someone is a non-smoker, baseline, no issues, why in the world would you even bring them near an e-cigarette? I mean, that just sounds ludicrous to me. You might as well give them chewing tobacco. You might as well you know, let them drive cars at high speed. It would not seem like something you would want to introduce that risk. And again, I'm talking about somebody, non-smoker, teenager. Why would you do that? Well, if e-cigarettes were not available, these kids would be experimenting with cigarettes. Well, that's saying if drugs weren't available, they would do drugs. I mean, I'm saying you should not, as a physician, be recommending that someone smoke an e-cigarette. Now, I'm a physician saying that. I mean, I know you. you I, that's where I'm kind of puzzled. We're, we're ta- I want to talk about fighting cancer and fighting cigarettes and if e-cigarettes have a place. But frankly, I'm somewhat shocked that you would be in favor of this. And, and, and I, can't, I can't fathom how you would feel that this would be a positive move. I mean, I mean should they start We're drinking early? Encouraging but you're saying, I think you should be discouraging them. But I mean, my feeling as a physician is you should discourage it in your role and actively say, listen, I can't stop you from doing anything, but clearly this is not something you want to do, as opposed to, well, if you're going to try something, you might as well try an e-cigarette, or it's a little less harmful than a cigarette. Well... The question is, you have to think uh, like a teenager thinks. You have to think like a doctor if you're giving advice. You can't think like a teenager. A teenager thinks like a teenager. You're in a position of authority who should be dispensing medical advice. Yes. If you're dealing with a teen or adult smoker, you should encourage them to switch to a much lower risk product. Absolutely. I have no problem with that. If you're dealing with a non-smoker and this topic comes up or you bring up the topic, Certainly, discouraging them from starting is correct, but is it ethically permissible to purposely misrepresent the risk 
of e-cigarettes. Well, you, you read the studies. There was a study in last week. Two major studies came out, and they looked at it for the first time in, in, you know, in direct and in comparison, and they said there is an increased risk of addiction by introducing people to e-cigarettes. Now, it's not as great as the risk of introducing them to cigarettes. I know that probably, you know, but you're, you're, you're still increasing the risk. So I think ethically, you should say, I have to tell you something. E-cigarettes are not a free ride. They will increase your risk of cancer, all sorts of things we don't know. There's nothing that is that much safer from them than regular cigarettes. And I have to tell you that as a physician. Now, if you're going to start no. something that's subtly less, but well, it's a slippery slope. The study data show. The study data are based on one-time experimentation. The study data do not, note it, do not uh, tell people that when teens experiment, non-smoking teens experiment with e-cigarette-type devices, an estimated 80% of them are doing with this with zero nicotine e-cigarettes. I think that uh, we're not dealing with totally unknown substances. Sure, they're not harm-free. Even the pharmaceutical pills, patches, and, and gums are not risk-free. But the risk is far lower than cigarettes and the risk of addiction. So if a kid's going to play with something, better they should play with something that's far less addictive than cigarettes and play with something that's far less harmful. This idea that we have no idea what they're going to cause or they might be as dangerous as cigarettes is pure nonsense. We know enough from other tobacco-related and nicotine delivery products to know that combustion is the process that causes the major harm in terms of heart, lung, and cancer-type diseases. There is no combustion. There is no tobacco in e-cigarettes. When you counsel a teen or you counsel a child, you should say you should stay away from all hazardous substances. But to purposely misrepresent e-cigarettes to scare them away from a product and give them the impression that they're going to experiment, they might as well do it with cigarettes because e-cigarettes are just as harmful, is number one, I think, unethical in terms of saying something that's simply not true. Well, you know, you talk about superheating, Doctor. Unlike traditional cigarettes, e-cigarettes, they're loaded with vaporizable liquid. We'll agree to that. The fluid's made up of a number of chemicals, things like glycol, glycerol, nicotine, flavoring substances. The chemicals are then superheated. And then you have this superheated chemical going into your body, you're actually loading that and putting it into your system. A lot of this hasn't even been studied, let alone the nicotine. And, and yet you're saying, go ahead, put that. I mean, I, again. Au contraire, this has been studied extensively. We know how much they're heated. Uh, we know the chemical changes and the degradation that occurs with things like glycerin and propylene glycol. Um, and... Totally harm-free, no, but the harm presented is a tiny fraction of the harm presented by the myriad of chemicals in cigarette smoke. And uh, there's a recent 200-page uh, book that was published just uh, a month ago that goes over all of this information about hey. the fact that in the literature condemning e-cigarettes that... Uh, there are many studies where the data don't justify the conclusions. 
The most recent study saying that well, the most recent study is from the journal. Well, nicotine addiction is based on data on four kids. Okay, so you a May thirteenth review in the journal Circulation. You probably know Giants and his team. They looked over data at vapors. They they found and they looked at the risks. It delivers higher levels of nanoparticles, and they said they've been linked to asthma, stroke, heart disease, diabetes, and you want to give these to kids. I mean, this is even. I mean, wait, wait, I, wait a second. Wait a second. That's a May thirteenth review. Nanoparticles in cigarette smoke are tiny solid bits of tar. Nanoparticles in exhaled or even inhaled e-cigarette vapor are liquid, mostly water, some of which are propylene glycol. And, and they turn into carbonyls. And they turn into carbonyls, which can... They turn into carbonyls like formaldehyde, acetaldehyde. I mean, that, we know that. I mean, we're going to go back and forth on this. I'm just saying I started this interview with the thought we would use talk about e-cigarettes as a way to be a bridge to get someone off of cigarettes as a, one of the potential options, just like uh, you would tell people to try to kick the habit and go cold turkey, you know, the different methods and talk about it. But it, it is morphed into something which concerns me because, I mean, you're an expert and yet you're you're recommending teens consider this. And I just think... I mean, you can. I don't. I didn't check your background. I don't know where your funding comes from, but I'm just stunned. I'm recommending that teens who are prone to experiment and are thinking of experimenting with cigarettes should be redirected to e-cigarettes. If they and they should know that there's an enormous difference in risk. Well, Dr. Joel Nitzkin, I want to thank you for joining us on Primary Care today. I obviously agree to disagree, but that's okay. That's what the show's about, and we'll let our physician audience take the information and uh, go from there. But this is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today. You can download the podcast and learn more on the series. Thank you for listening.